Monday, August 29th here in Rock Vox Studio in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schauff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And Jared, the preseason games are done, right? Or do we have one more tonight, or are they no, all they're finished? Done. Okay, they're good. Done, yeah. I thought so. Preseason <laughs> games are done. Lots of reactions out there so far. You, of course, can find Jared's week three set of the preseason notes on DraftSharks.com right now. That's a free read, and you should check it out, because we've mentioned before, he just does a good job of, you know, like, easily wrapping the stuff up, telling us what we should take away from these games, looking at the stuff that matters. I watched at least the first half of every preseason game, proud to say. You know, on the condensed version, obviously, with the <laughs> right. NFL Plus. Um, so, yeah, preseason's done. The preseason notes articles are free, as you mentioned. I'm going to do a preseason winners and losers for Tuesday that's going to be members only, just kind of wrapping everything up and, you know, talking about the guys that climbed and fell in our rankings based on what we saw in the preseason. So members only means you have to wear one of those black jackets from the 80s yes. with, the, with the little flappies on the shoulder for some reason. Exactly. Some stories, though, have gone under the radar through preseason. Like I said, we've reacted to lots of things, and we've talked about lots of it in draft shark in uh, shark bites. And, of course, a lot of that has guided alterations in our rankings, and they still will over the next week and a half. But there are lots of things that go under the radar. It's, it's kind of surprising at this point, <laughs> given how many reporters there are and how many outlets and how much time we spend on it. But our focus today is going to be kind of unearthing those things that matter more than the coverage they've gotten so far for the fantasy impact. Yeah, it's definitely hard to get an information edge nowadays. And honestly, if you've been on Twitter reading articles as much as we have, this stuff probably isn't underreported to you. Mm -hmm. But if you actually have a life and you know a real <laughs> job, this, this might be stuff that you, know, ha you haven't heard about and I, I think is a spot where we can still get edges in fantasy drafts because a lot of people haven't heard this stuff. I mean, if everybody was on Twitter following <laughs> all of this stuff, we probably wouldn't have jobs, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. That's kind yeah. of our point. Is yeah. it's like <laughs> We're here to distill all of this and give you the recommendations for the stuff. So because it's all about underreported stuff, I assume we're going to be focusing on IDP this whole time, right? Because <laughs> yes. that's the area where we don't get enough reporting. The, the, the entire <laughs> thing is underreported. Yeah, you're right. The entire IDP show. You guys heard Jared sign on to it right now. <laughs> so we will get to the non-IDP storylines. You can feel free to ask me on Twitter or at DraftSharks about any of the IDP things you want to know. I did put up my IDP strategy guide over the weekend, so that tells a lot of the guys that I like and some of the, the ways to approach those positions. We're going to stick to offense today, though, because I want to keep Jared awake. <laughs> and we, as I said, we are in Rock Fox studio rock vox recording and production of rochester new york if you're around here great spot to come for professional podcast voiceover live stream studios production services you can check them out online at rocvox.com jared let's start in the rams backfield and this is an offense we've talked about a lot it's focused primarily on the matthew stafford elbow for most of draft season though and that's kind of gone away as a story which makes it sound like it's not that big a deal and i know i'm not worried about it in how i'm considering these rams the Cam Akers injury, though, might be a big deal. And it seems like every time it's reported, it's like eh, they're just being, you know, cautionary with yep. it. They're they're being conservative, trying to make sure he's ready for the season. The latest report, though, is uh, Daryl Henderson put in a full speed practice. Cam Akers not to that point yet. And we don't even know what Akers injury is, right? Just so soft, soft tissue. tissue. It's, the, it's the hockey thing, right? But Lower body soft it, tissue. How many areas of soft yeah, tissue yeah. are there in your body? I don't know. I'm going I'm to guess it's a hamstring. That'd yeah, be my guess. That would be my guess, too. Yeah. I, I had to look up what soft tissue. And I, I honestly, I read through it and I'm like, well, this is not something that's going to stick. Oh, oh I, thought it was, I, thought it was, I thought that meant muscle. But yeah, I, I, could I, be wrong. I don't know if it's connective. <laughs> I don't know. We, we, should, we yeah. can't turn this into a medical pod, right. obviously, because yeah. we don't have that training. But Cam Akers not on the field. Daryl Henderson is on the field. Yeah, this backfield in general has been maybe the toughest situation for me because I know there's going to be value here, right? We know right. it's a good offense. McVay has produced, you know, good running games. Um, 
And that, that kind of the the last uh, thing that's you know we have to think about here too is Kyron Williams, who you know McVay holds him out of the preseason finale when he's healthy <laughs> enough to play, and then says afterwards that he's going to be you know an integral part of the offense is the word that McVay used. He's going to use words like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I, I don't buy Williams being a fantasy factor besides you know, outside an injury to Akers uh-huh. or Henderson, which is definitely possible. So Williams might be a decent stash. I am though buying this being more of a committee backfield than we've seen in seasons past. So I do think Henderson's going to play a, a significant role, even if Akers is healthy. So and that's why Henderson, to me, has sort of become the top fantasy draft target here because he's still going five, six rounds after Cam Akers. And I think Henderson can be a fantasy asset even with a healthy Akers. And then, you know, if Akers goes down, we saw last year, you know, Henderson produce as an RB1 mm-hmm. as, the, as the Rams lead back. Yeah, I mean, we talk about plenty of muddy backfield situations at this point, and sometimes, like in Washington, it's one where you can say it's okay to just avoid it, but the Rams' backfield is not one that you want to just completely avoid. You can. You can get away with it, but it's going to be a strong offense, most likely. Whoever's starting is likely going to be a good producer. I've been team bet on history to this point and Sean McVay leans toward a lead back but I agree I mean the closer we get and especially with both of these guys already dealing with soft tissue injuries that's gonna be a drinking game at this point I think (laughs) um it it, you have to at least entertain the possibility that it's more of a committee because whatever we think about Sean McVay specifically he's a smart guy and you gotta be like well both of these guys are coming in with these injuries they're both productive members of our offense. I don't want to kill anybody here. I want to have everybody available. So I have all these options. So it would just make sense to not run somebody as hard. So I think that we are going to get more touches for everybody. I think we're gonna have to wait and see exactly what that means. I think the closer we get to week one with Cam Akers, not at full speed though, the more we have to look at Daryl Henderson as a potential week one fantasy starter. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and he's still going in the no, 10th, 11th round of these fantasy drafts. He, he's my top target in that range at this point. I tend to be looking at running backs mm-hmm. in that area. And if I can get Henderson as, you know, my RB4 in the 10th round, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, and I haven't been specifically avoiding Cam Akers, but he's in that range where I'm more often looking at wide receivers. So it's kind of, I won't say it's by accident that I pass on him. It's kind of on purpose because that's, you know, it pushes me toward making sure I get James Conner as at least that second running back earlier. And then I say, I don't even have to worry about these backfields that that make me uneasy through here because it just doesn't fit with the way I'm building. Yeah, no, Akers ADP is dropping in some of these higher right. stakes drafts. In the main event I did last night, I think you went at the five six turn. Mm-hmm. Um, now again, you in your home leagues. If people aren't really aware of this stuff, he might still be going in the fourth round. I'm definitely off him there. But if you can get Acres in the sixth round, you know mm-hmm. that's when I think it you know starts to make sense to take a gamble on him. And I think he's one that could be floating all over the place. Yeah. So I agree. If he's in the fourth, then take let somebody else take him and focus on Daryl Henderson. Uh, if he gets to the sixth, smash him because yeah. you know whatever happens, it, it, that's a fine bet to take on. And that, right that's still a case too. I think you can take both those guys, especially. Mm-hmm. If you're getting Akers in the sixth and Henderson in the tenth, you know I think um, you know they both again could be fantasy factors. And if you get just one of them as the lead back, it's a it's a smash at those prices. And I'm still not drafting Kyron Williams unless we're talking about a super deep draft here. Agreed. Zach Moss in Buffalo has been a thing, then he's not been a thing. Now it sounds like he's a thing again. Yeah, and this has been consistent from the start of training camp that one Moss looks good, and two he's getting significant run with Josh Allen mm-hmm. and the first team offense. The preseason has sort of confirmed that. Um, Zach Moss played ahead of James Cook in both the first two preseason games. And then Moss sat out the third preseason game along with Devin Singletary while James Cook played. So I, and Moss and Cook aren't really competing for the same role. You know, it, 
when Cook's on the field, it's going to be mostly as a pass catching back. It sounds like Moss is in play, like short yardage goal line, mm-hmm. which which makes sense. You know, he's a power runner. Um, he had a good preseason. Moss second among 132 qualifiers in PFF rushing grade this preseason. Mm-hmm. So that kind of backs up to what we've been hearing in training camp. I've been taking a lot of Zach Moss late in drafts. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be a fantasy factor with a healthy Singletary and Moss. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's one injury away from having a pretty significant role on one of the league's best offenses. Yeah, I, I think he's most interesting now in this backfield for fantasy just because of how late he's going relative to the others. I think that even though this offense should be among the best in the league, this is a backfield that I'm OK with just avoiding until Zach Moss range, because I think it's going to be frustrating week to week. We talked about Akers and Henderson in uh, for the Rams, and I think that we'll get more like lead back usage from those guys. I think the Bills are just going to split it up among all three of these guys every week. And if Zach Moss has the short yardage stuff, then, you know, he's probably the best bet for non PPR. But we'll see. I mean, Devin Singletary has not been a slob near the goal line either. So I don't know that we're going to see 100% Zach Moss in there. I, I don't think that. Buffalo's plan is like Washington's before last night with Brian Robinson mm-hmm. and Antonio Gibson, where they're like, we like Zach Moss between the tackles and yeah. we want to get Devin Singletary in space. I think it's a true committee. I think it's going to be frustrating to start. I think they're all interesting for best ball purposes. Lineup setting looks like a headache to me. Yeah, to me, the biggest takeaway with the Moss thing is it's bad news for Devin Singletary because yes. if he's losing goal line stuff to Moss and then losing pass catching stuff yeah. to Cook, like, you know, he 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 has very little fantasy value. Yeah, the only reason to still be interested in Singletary, I think, is because of the strength of this offense. Yes. If he yep. emerges as the top back, even for carries, then, you know, there's still value, of course. And he's got, Singletary's going late enough where, you know, he's right. okay. But, yeah, the thing with Moss is you can get him with your very last pick, and I, I think he's a good pick uh, at that point. It's getting close to finding the week one stat lines for these guys for over-unders for prop bets and if you're going to play over-unders you should do so on the Sleeper app. You can go to sleeper.com slash draft sharks. You can get your first deposit matched up to 100 bucks. We're going to start getting stat lines for these guys. You will be able to easily bet over-under on these players as the season begins. You can compete with friends. You can compete with us on there. So you can also, it doesn't have to be competition, Jared. It doesn't always have to be two people conflicting. You guys can feed off each other's bets and just get in a group, share knowledge, win money. It's much funner if it's competition, though. I think that's how I, I'm going to play on Sleeper this year. Um, and this this isn't like official official, but I'm, I'll let the podcast listeners know that Ooh. we'll have our week one projections up on the site by Friday. That's right. I, it's going to be less fun for me when people make up words like funner, though. <laughs> so feel free to play with us on Sleeper. We will have those projections coming out soon. We are moving on now, though, to a spot that is more worrisome for the backfield. We talk about the Bills backfield being a headache. The 49ers have lots of talent and lots of guys that we want to like there, but the O-line might be getting in the way and not of the defense, but of the offensive production. And this probably shouldn't be a new thing if you've been listening to us. I mean, I I wrote about this back in the offensive line preview back in in Mm -hmm. June that, you know, this offensive line might be a concern. Um, Grant Cohn came on our podcast in late July and told us that the offensive line was a problem early in training camp. And, you know, that to me, I, I, you know, again, watching these preseason games, Trey Lance has been under constant pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is a concern for me. I mean, they're starting these three guys are starting in the interior. I've honestly never heard of them. Aaron Banks, Spencer Buford, who's a, a fourth round rookie and Drake Brendel. 
Hill. Like that that's that's the interior O line for the 49ers to open the season. So it's definitely a concern for me for both, you know, Lance in the passing game and I think especially uh, Elijah Mitchell in the running game. Mm-hmm. Jake Brindle sounds like a Harry Potter character. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's a problem. I think it's a bigger problem for Elijah Mitchell than it is for Trey Lance because, you know, the escapability is kind of what we're drafting Lance for. Sure. Obviously, you still want even the runningest quarterback in the world to be behind a good offensive line and actually choose his spots rather than, you know, running for safety. But I'm not altering my Trey Lance outlook because of the O-line issues. I'm probably not altering my Elijah Mitchell outlook <laughs> just because I haven't been drafting him. And I mean, at this point, he's going outside the top 24. So it's yep. like, well, whatever. The downside is already baked in. But I think the takeaway here when you factor in that draft price is don't look at Elijah Mitchell as a solution. If you passed on running back early, you look mm-hmm. at him as an upside guy. Make sure that you have other options around him. Don't think, oh, yes, I won because I got Elijah Mitchell in round six yeah. as my RB2. Yeah, I mean, Mitchell's back at practice now, but the fact that he missed a couple weeks in August with an injury already after all the issues he dealt with last year, and then the O-line issues on top of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get Mitchell's dropping in drafts, but he's, he's just kind of a, a stay-away guy for me still. Yeah, and he has been all along, and, you know, all of this kind of points more to what I mentioned previously about the history of Kyle Shanahan says Elijah Mitchell's carries per game are almost definitely coming down from last year and possibly significantly so. Yeah, and the problem is I have no idea who to draft behind Elijah Mitchell. I don't know if it's Trey Sermon, Jeff Wilson, Ty Davis Price. I I have no idea. I mean, you can take a couple of those guys super late in drafts if you're if your draft's deep enough. You know, there's there's no clear cut handcuff to Elijah Mitchell right now. This is a backfield I'm okay with being out on. I think the O line kind of solidifies that. Previously, it's like, well, I know there's going to be some value here because it's the 49ers and they will run the ball. If they're behind a bad O line though, and it's a committee that's tough to decipher. I'm okay with just, you know, being out on it completely. Otherwise, it's like whoever's going latest, I'll, you know, take a shot on you and we'll see. Yeah, and still out on Debo second round. You know, the the O-line concerns don't have me feeling any better about Debo. Definitely. Not specifically the O-line for the Patriots, but the offense on whole not going well. And that, that seems to have been reports for a little bit now. Yeah, and the O-line's part of it. Uh, both their tackles have been struggling reportedly. Isaiah Wynn and, and Trent Brown. And Wynn has been mentioned as a, a trade candidate, so I don't know what's <laughs> going on there. And then, of course, you have the departure of Josh McDaniels, and you have you know a, a defensive-minded guy calling plays. And there was a good More like tweet. a beard-minded guy. I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure the defensive-minded <laughs> is fair. There was a good tweet thread. I, I retweeted it from uh, NFL Network's Mike Giardi talking about, you know, what's going wrong in New England right now. And, and par- part of it is everything, basically. Part of it, though, you know, he used the word lack of buy-in from the players in oh. this new system, like, you know, the, 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 the you know, system without Josh McDaniels. Because their offense had been the same for, mm-hmm. you know, 15 years and mm-hmm. they're making big changes now and you know, the players aren't aren't liking what they're seeing so far Mac Jones has struggled in the preseason the defense has been dominating the offense in, in training camp from everything we've heard so I mean it's not an offense that it's not a passing game we're investing heavily in um, but you know nothing we've heard out of New England should change that and e- even the running game like if the offense is not going to be good like mm-hmm. that that's going to hurt these running backs especially because you know neither Stevenson nor Damian Harris are big time pass catchers yeah honestly this is an offense that has scared me off other than late round best ball exposure yep. and this certainly doesn't do anything to change that I think Ramondre Stevenson has climbed a little bit too high in drafts although there have been other drafts where I see him still going close to Damian Harris I think it's still okay to take both of those guys but I am also completely fine with just yep. not taking either Uh, probably Hunter Henry is most interesting to me because he is so touchdown reliant but even then that that makes it just best ball in a lineup setting league 
I'm probably not taking any Patriots yep. at all. Yeah, so the two things, two notes here. Um, one is the Ty Montgomery injury. He hurt his ankle in that third preseason game. Belichick came on the radio this morning, Monday morning, and made it sound like it wasn't serious. But we'll have to see about Ty mm-hmm. Montgomery because that that would open up passing down snaps probably for Ramondre Stevenson. So that's an important one. The Hunter Henry thing. Or for I, Pierre Strong. Or for Pierre Strong. The Hunter Henry thing, you know, he split snaps and pass routes right down the middle with John U. Smith Oof. in the third preseason game. And Smith, if you've been reading the reports on New England, there's been some positive buzz on oh, John. Yeah. And they gave him that huge contract last offseason. So I'm kind of buying into him at least playing a bigger role, you know, not being as fantasy impactful as Hunter Henry. Mm-hmm. But if he steals anything from Henry in this offense that, you know, is, is struggling right now, it, it kind of has me off Hunter Henry. And I should clarify, too, Hunter Henry's not a target for yeah. me. It's more like, should I take a tight end here? Nah, I can probably wait another round and still get Hunter Henry and whatever touchdowns you, he scores. If you happen to miss Evan Ingram, like Henry's a, Henry's a guy. That you and can still take. for best ball for me because he's going to yeah. have lots of those two and even one catch games yes. where if he scores a touchdown, he's starting. And if he doesn't, he's useless. For sure. Yeah, definitely a situation to avoid. And I, John o. Smith is is interesting at the very end of those best yes. ball drafts too. It, the, the team, there's absolutely nothing I'm saying you should bet on this guy this season, but late in best ball drafts, it's like, man, there could be a path for him. So. I had John o. and Mo Ali Cox in my queue for my 20th pick in last <laughs> night's main event. Whitman, Mo Ali Cox, but you know, Smith, Smith was definitely on my radar there. Nice. Uh, the Bears offense, less of a mess than yeah. you might have thought. The O-line still looks weak there, and Justin Fields is going to be running for his life some and probably miss some game time because of it at some point. But when he's able to throw the ball, it's looked pretty good. Man, did you see him in that third preseason game? He looked, I haven't watched the yeah. highlights of it yet. 14 of 16 for 156, three oh, touchdowns, inter- interceptions, and you know, like less than a half of action. I mean, the supporting cast still sucks, right? The right. O-line's bad. The pass catchers, I mean, he threw a touchdown to his two of his touchdowns were to Ryan Griffin and Dante Pettis. Oh, yeah. So those are the guys that Fields is throwing to. Um, but j- this system, I think, is going to be a better fit for Fields than what he was in last year. And Can't we be heard worse, about right? it, right? Can't be worse. We heard about it when they hired Luke Getzey that he wanted to do more deep stuff, more play action, use Fields' mobility more. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that in the preseason. There, you've seen a lot of bootlegs from mm-hmm. Fields, which we like. The play action rate is up. Thirty-one uh, percent of Fields' dropbacks this preseason have been on play action. It was at twenty-four percent last year. So, like, I, I still don't think we're going to get Fields' ceiling with this supporting cast. Mm-hmm. But I. I like him as a quarterback too. I really do. Yeah. Like I think the rushing ability and just his talent in an offense that's going to suit him better. Um, he at least has Darnell Mooney. He at least has Cole Komet. Like it's mm-hmm. good enough. Where again, it's more of a best ball thing. I don't think he's you're going to want to be starting him on a weekly basis in a lineup setting league. But I, I like Fields as a quarterback too in best ball. And even there, you can make him a QB too. And if things start breaking right, where sure. he you know can string together games, you can certainly toss him in there yep. uh, because we do have the rushing upside. And you know we talked about O line issues forcing a guy to escape. <laughs> he's certainly a player. That can capitalize on those things. And we love the yep. combo of the rushing ability plus the downfield passing. When I have watched Justin Fields, he's looked good as a passer in the scant views. And the big production from that last game has certainly made me um, get back to drafting him because I think in the best ball drafts that I had been doing, I've been focusing a little bit more on Trevor Lawrence in that range lately just because of the O-line stuff in Chicago. So it's a good refresher to me, like make sure that you get some Justin Fields where it counts because if he does put it all together, the ceiling is very high. He's my second highest owned quarterback on underdog. I was just looking at this the other night. It's Kyler Murray one, Fields two, Lawrence three. Nice. Yes. Love Justin Fields. Waiting to see how this season goes, but getting excited again. Right now, I have, I have chills. And I'm not sure, Jared, if it's talking about Justin <laughs> Fields or if it's the fan that's blowing on a us today. A little both. A little both. Falcons offense. Not as exciting as Justin Fields, but 
there's not a whole lot of talk about it. And, you know, I, I haven't been digging for Falcons info, but there are many other situations that hit you in the face on Twitter. Yeah. I don't get a whole lot on the Falcons. When I do hear anything, it's basically the quarterbacks. Marcus Mariota's doing fine. Desmond Ritter's doing fine. Yeah, we need to add him back, uh, calling it what a, a, a <laughs> sneaky, sneaky good, good offense. Sneaky good offense. <laughs> he likes every <laughs> offense that is projected for four wins yeah. by Vegas right now. Sne- sneaky good's probably overselling it, but <laughs> yeah. I, I think Mariota and Ritter have both looked better than I expected this preseason. Uh, Mariota actually led all quarterbacks in PFF passing grades this Woo. season. Now, it was only on 12 pass attempts, <laughs> yeah. but he went 8 of 12 for 168 yards and a touchdown. Ritter, again, I think he had a nice preseason, uh, 61% completion rate, 7.7 yards per attempt. He had an above-average PFF passing grade, and both those guys can run, too. Mm-hmm. You know, To me, Mariota and Ritter are still only two quarterback super flex right. guys, um, but makes you feel better about taking Kyle Pitts mm-hmm. you know, in, in round three. Uh, makes me feel better about Drake London, a guy who I like, and then you know even Cord- uh, Cordell or Patterson. I think you know those are the three guys you're taking mm-hmm. on this Falcons offense. So you know not 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 one to invest in heavily still, but I'm more optimistic about the offense in Atlanta than I was a month ago. Yeah, I will say that I'm more interested in it now. Certainly not one to target, not one that I think is going to win or lose fantasy seasons, but it's a little comfier now than it was. And I agree, uh, two QB super flex. But there are super flex best ball drafts going on right now, and it it can there's upside to taking either quarterback late if you already have Kyle Pitts or Drake London on your roster. Yeah, again, the rushing ability we, we saw it with both guys in the preseason. Um, you know, they, they they could be factors, and I think Mariota's going to end up playing most of the season, uh, so he's the guy I definitely be targeting if you're in a two quarterback league. But uh, yeah, I mean Ritter too. I think we'll get some starts probably later on. Yeah, we'll see. You know, it's all it's tougher to project because Ritter is a third round pick. We've mm-hmm. talked about how a first round pick is almost guaranteed to play at some point in his rookie season. Third round, you have no idea, and it really depends on what the team thinks of his readiness. Uh, probably the team situation. You know, the more the Falcons lose, the more likely they right. are to start looking toward the future. I think that if I'm choosing between them late in a uh, in a best ball draft, I'm probably leaning toward Ritter first, mm. but it's it, it's not even a strong lean. It's like whichever one stays on the board, I'm more sure. interested. And it's also just an okay situation to avoid because we don't know how many games they'll, well, Mariota, they'll be playing. Yeah, Mariota goes well ahead of Ritter, so I think that's the argument to take Ritter. I, I would still bet on Mariota starting more games this season, so he'd be my lean. But again, I do think Ritter gets in there. I mean, you know, Atlanta's going to be three and 10 in December and they have a decision to make. Like if they're going to spend a first round pick on a quarterback next mm-hmm. year or, you know, ride with Ritter yeah. longer term. And what Ritter does have over Mariota is we've seen Mariota start a lot of games yes. in the NFL and he was just a mediocre to bad quarterback. Yep. So if he, if there's more of that, if there's more of him being too conservative, which was a, an issue with his fantasy scoring in Tennessee, maybe it uh, um, accelerates Desmond sure. Ritter's path. Yeah. Uh, we've got wide receivers to talk about before we get there. If you have not created your league yet, or if you have a league that's on a site, that's just been kind of meh for you. I would recommend trying out fan tracks. It is free. You could see us drafting on it through the entire draft sharks invitational. You can import your league to it. They have all of the settings you could possibly hope to use. Very easy to use and good customer service if you have any issues with your setup, which you probably won't. So if you go to Fantrax.com slash DraftSharks, you can start your free league. You can customize it however you want. And it's still August, Jared. They can still try to win that drawing. You get two entries, I believe, right? If you enter through the DraftSharks promo code, you get two entries into that um, drawing. Correct. 
And that is for your entire league to go to an NFL city of your choice, go to a game, and you get a whole bunch of spending money. It's a ridiculous promotion. I think they're absurd for giving that much away. Yeah, no reason to have your league anywhere else, honestly. So head to Fantrax.com. That was me dropping my phone <laughs> in case the mic picked that up. So let's move on to the receivers before we close out here. Jalen Waddle is still hurt, right? He's not on the field yet. <laughs> yeah, these are always funny to me that like in this day and age, we like Waddle was hurt for a couple weeks and like no one knew about it. Like mm-hmm. it was a week ago there was reports like, oh, Waddle's still out. He's been out the past like two weeks. And we don't even know what the injury is. Um he's been, you know, he's been on the field with a wrap on his right leg. So it seems like that's what he's and yeah, um, and Mike McDaniel has downplayed this and said he's just being cautious. But again, like it's he's been sidelined for almost three weeks now. This is a young player. It's a new offense he's trying to learn. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a concern for me. Um, we haven't moved Waddle in our rankings. If we get to you know next week and he's still sidelined, it, we're gonna you know end up pushing Waddle down the wide receiver ranks. Right. I think it has pushed his ADP down a little bit though. I mean, he was probably going most often in round four. He's mm-hmm. sliding through round four. It's possible to see him in round five. So you know, there's maybe a buy opportunity. The challenge to reading situations like this at this point is I think NFL teams are a whole lot more conservative now with how they force guys back onto the field or how long they're willing to keep them out for minor injuries. So we're getting at least to the point of the year where next week is going to be the buildup to week one. So if they still don't have somebody on the field for that, that's clearly a, a huge red flag. If it's the kind of thing where immediately for the first practice Jalen Waddell is back on the field then it's like oh they've just been you yeah. know being cautious with him they want to make sure he's ready for the season yeah to me the the missed practice time is almost a bigger concern than the actual injury like I, I you know again learning a new offense a young player I know he has chemistry with Tua from their college days but um I, I, I think Waddell needs the reps in this offense yeah I think the way that he produced last year with two different quarterbacks and neither one being terrific you know it was Tua and it was Jacoby Brissett at that point and an offense that didn't end up doing a whole lot that that makes me less concerned about the learning stuff you know obviously it's a factor and it, we've got Tyreek Hill there now so yep. There's always been the uncertainty of how many targets go to Jalen Waddle and just what does his production look like in this year's offense. He, yeah, he, Waddle is still in play for me in round four, and I think he's a great pick if he gets to round five. Yeah, I agree with that. Russell Gage is also still hurt in Tampa, and I mean, that's been an offense that's been kind of tough to read because everybody's been missing yeah. time with injuries. Tom Brady has missed time because he's 45 and he's got a lot of things going on. Um, Russell Gage's injury, though, is significant, especially because the question with him immediately after Julio Jones signed is who gets more of the offense between Russell Gage and Julio Jones. The longer Russell Gage sits out, the tougher it is to say, well, they're paying him, so it's Russell Gage. And Jones has had a healthy few weeks here. Yeah. He even played in that final preseason game that you know Brady played in the other night. Um, yeah, Gage has been out since August 10th. Now we're recording this on August 29th, so it's been uh, almost three weeks now that he's Inside that another guy, you know, learning a new offense with a new quarterback that's you know missing these pretty valuable reps. So we'll see. Uh, again, I think next week is sort of key. If Gage is still out at this time next week, it'll be you know time to worry about his his week one availability. And, and you know, to me, that makes Jones more interesting because we know Godwin's going to be limited mm-hmm. to open the season. Mike Evans is back to practice. He played in that final preseason game too, so he seems like he's good to go. But you know, Julio could open the season with a pretty big role, and that's kind of what you. I mean, I think. 
if Julio's healthy at the end of the season, I'd be a bit surprised. But you know, if he's fresh come week one and can you know help your team in September and October, that that'd be good if you're you know getting him in the tenth or eleventh round of fantasy drafts. Maybe that's the real underreported story here is that Julio Jones's hamstrings feel good. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> How many times has he been on the field right. and not had bad hamstrings so far? I certainly wouldn't draft Julio Jones any higher than our than wide receiver four range. Mm-hmm. So in there is fine, and you know you're still looking at potentially inconsistent usage. But like you said, there's a chance that he's a starting yeah. option in week one and i took gauge last night at what was it wide receiver 62 oh yeah i, um, I don't that. think he's dropping that far in most drafts but i mean i am you know more than willing to take him there even if you're not using him at the start of the season again i think there's a you know if if any if evans godwin or julio goes down at some point in the season which is pretty likely that one of them misses time then you know gauge is going to be a pretty easy fantasy starter and i could certainly see him falling well into wide receiver five range and beyond because people mm-hmm. start out unexcited about russell gauge so if you <laughs> then give them a reason to not draft him it's like fine i'll yep. just forget about russell gauge but yeah I, I, at, at some point you do have to say they paid him 10 million per year just this off season mm-hmm. and we have had you know, Julio Jones's injury issues go back a few years. Mike Evans has had hamstring trouble this camp. Chris Godwin is still coming off the ACL tear, even though he seems further along than we anticipated. So it's pretty easy to find a path for healthy Russell Gage to be a fantasy starting option. And the tight end room sucks, as we've said. So I think <laughs> yes. there's going to be a lot of targets going to those wide receivers. Yeah, still no Rob Gronkowski at this <laughs> yeah. point. So right. we have to assume he's not playing football this year. Uh, the weather, he, the weather's still nice. He's still, you know, out on his boat. Wait till it gets <laughs> yeah. a little colder in October, then maybe we'll see him back. I don't think it gets cold in Tampa <laughs> right. at any point in the year, though. True. So he'll be like, yeah, I could be playing football <laughs> right now, or I could just be watching football and making USAA commercials. <laughs> Noah Brown is the last name here. And if you're like, who is Noah Brown? Then that's kind of the point of this one. Even though if you are a regular listener here, you've probably heard it brought up before because uh, the first time that I really came across Noah Brown being a thing this year was on our podcast with Michael Gelkin. Yeah, he told us that, you know, his pick to be the second most targeted wide receiver out of the gate for the Cowboys would be Noah Brown. Sure looks like that's going to be the case. I mean, Brown alongside C.D. Lamb was held out in all three of these preseason games. Jalen Tolbert, their, their rookie, who you know people have been more excited to draft, he's gotten pushed you know, way up draft boards way too early for me. Um, he's played all three preseason games, and he has not been good. 0.83 yards per route run for Jalen Tolbert Oof. this preseason, 154th among 163 qualifiers in PFF receiving grade. And he's still a fine dynasty stash. I, I don't right. think he's ready to play a big role, which was what Michael Gelkin told us mm-hmm. on that podcast. So, you know, Brown's become a bit less interesting because Gallup seems to be ahead of schedule. You know, it, it, Michael Gallup avoided the populace. Seems like he's going to be ready, you know, within the first few weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, at least in week one, you know, the Cowboys get the Bucks. That should be a pretty high scoring game. You know, at least for DFS, I think uh, Noah Brown is a name to keep in mind. Bucks and then the Bengals, too. I mean, those nice. could be two shootouts, both at home. And Dak Prescott has been having a very good camp, according yep. to the team. Stephen Jones says it's the best camp he's seen from Dak Prescott since he's been with the team. And, you know, there's some team speak there. But if he felt like he should say something that strongly, that's obviously a good sign. And, you know, Dak Prescott's somebody we've just kind of glossed over. But it's worth remembering that the past two years, first, he went down in week four with the ankle injury. And then last year, he was coming off that ankle injury. If you look at how much he ran last year, it it would indicate that he wasn't quite all the way back to pre-injury Dak Prescott. And pre-injury Dak Prescott was a challenger for top overall quarterback. So there's a chance that Dak Prescott outplays where we haven't projected outplays his ADP. And if he does that, he's bringing receivers along with him. Obviously, yeah. CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz are the easiest bets there. But whoever the number two wide receiver is in a given week is going to then be, you know, like a, an upside low end bet. And yeah, that's Noah Brown here. 
Yeah, Dak's a guy I've been a bit worried that I'm too low on and don't have enough of. Um, but you know, but then they lose Tyron Smith for right. likely the entire season, which you know is another concern. I, I have concerns about Dallas's O line, which yeah. you know, we haven't said for five six years. Yeah, and actually, so I wouldn't classify that as an underreported story because yeah. Tyron Smith just happened, and there was you know plenty of reporting on his injury, but. I wonder whether there has been enough thought about what this means for the offense. For me, I was already not sure what to do with Zeke Elliott, where he was going. You got plenty of people saying Zeke is the biggest value in fantasy drafts right now. I definitely don't agree with that. For me, I was, like I said, I was unsure what to feel about him in round three, round four. Tyron Smith going down has made me more sure that I'm just going to let somebody else take that shot. I, from what I've seen in drafts, Smith's, Absence has not been, you know, properly baked into where these guys are going. We, you know, we could do a whole podcast next summer on offensive lines because I do think that's still an. If we want a, seven a listeners, <laughs> if you, if you, I mean, honestly, it's, I think it's an underreported facet of the entire. Like people don't think about offensive lines and think about mm-hmm. the impact on these skill guys nearly enough. I think that's still an edge we can get in, in fantasy. Yeah, and I think specifically for Zeke. So the case for Zeke this year is. I don't care if he's declining to some degree at this point because he's going to get a lot of touches because Dallas is still paying him and they obviously still like him. And now at least his knee is healthy. But if he's getting a lot of touches behind an O-line that has significant issues and they already lost right tackle Lyle Collins, they already lost their was it their center or one of their guards. Connor Williams. Yep. So there's already issues there. Zeke is an aging back. It certainly makes it more difficult for him to deliver. So he he's giving me bad vibes at this point. It makes me. More interested in Tony Pollard, although I haven't even been quite at market on Tony Pollard. He's the one that I'm like, I don't want to miss out on him completely, so I'm going to take a few shares. Yeah, I mean, Zeke used to be good player behind a good O-line getting a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It, it, it might be just a lot of work this season. And then, you know, I, I especially worry in the, second, in the second half of the year how much gas he's going to have left in the tank. So Zeke, for me, is still a guy I'm, I'm mostly staying away from unless he gets into round five. Yeah, he's pretty consistently going in round three at this point, too, because yeah. it's it's easy to see the upside case. It's easy to, to make the upside case for him if you're sure. telling yourself the story. But like if I'm choosing between Zeke and James Conner, which is pretty oh. common, I'm not even looking at Zeke. I'm like, please, somebody take Zeke so I can take James Conner. Yeah, I guess it's not a decision anymore, but I, you know, I'm I, I feel like we've switched on Brees Hall. I feel like I'm the Brees Hall guy. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what's happened. <laughs> yeah. I thought about including him on here. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 simple for me. I hope so. I'm not even sure what I hope at this point, mm-hmm. because the case for Brees Hall heading in was, come on, he's a second round pick, early second round pick, much better prospect than Michael Carter. And sure, Michael Carter was fine in spurts last year, but I think people are overrating the positive on him. But what we've seen so far is if people are overrating him, then the Jets are included in those people. It it sounds like he's 1A and Brees Hall is 1B to start the season. Now, obviously, if Michael Carter goes down in week one, then all of a sudden, you know, Brees Hall is Elijah Mitchell plus from last year. And I'm like, crap, I missed out on it. But that I need Michael Carter to get hurt now is, you know, kind of the case where I'm just... I, I guess I'm lukewarm on him at this point. I, I think our timelines for when we expected Hall to kind of take over were different. I think you kind of thought it would be by now. I always kind of thought it would happen more in the season. I still I still think it's going to happen, honestly. Um, and Carter does still remain ahead. The snaps were 12-9 to 9 in favor of Carter in that third preseason game. I, I think it's like really going to be a 50-50 split mm-hmm. to start the season. And where Hall is going now, like I got him in the fifth round last mm-hmm. night. He gets to the fifth quite often. Like I think as a fifth-round pick, he's not going to kill you even if he's stuck in a you know 50 50 60 40 committee all season but i 
do still think by the second half of the season, it's going to be more like 70-30 in Hall's favor. So I'm taking him in the fifth round for that, you know, back half upside. I would like to believe so. I think what I was really hoping for to this point is a bit more buzz. Like we got an Elijah Moore in camp last year where it was like this guy just seems inevitable and he just needs something to force the opportunity. That That's what I'm not getting. And there's even a little bit of, well, Brees Hall is going to need to learn how to run here because he can't just get by mm-hmm. on town. I saw some of that from Matt Waldman and Jay Moyer, who are two guys that we've talked about before. We were, you know, um, respect on the yep. RB um, evaluation front. You know, nobody's perfect on that stuff. I do know that Jay Moyer is also a big fan of Michael Carter and Adam has talked about him plenty. So I just overall, I think that the final, I don't know, it's not a nail in the coffin because I'm still interested in yeah. Brees Hall, but kind of the final mark against him is this is an offense that I don't feel like I need to be in. So if I'm not yeah. getting great vibes, I'm okay with with uh, just passing it to somebody else. That, that's my bigger concern than the workload split mm-hmm. is just the offense in general. Um, and honestly, I haven't come up on Hall. It's just his ADP has gone down right. a half a round to a round. So I'm more interested or, or more likely to draft him at this point. And that I do like. So if I get... Let's say I take, um, you know, within the first three rounds, no, first four rounds, I've got two running backs, two wide receivers, and I get to round five. Brees Hall is there. I'm like, okay, I'll take Brees Hall because yeah. if, if he comes along slowly and if he doesn't ever break at all, it's not killing me to have this guy as my RB3. And I do think the opportunity presents itself. I think there's, you know, the upside to make him a smash from there. What does make it tricky is the wide receivers in that range are awesome right. too. Like you got to pass on Rashad Bateman. You got to pass on Marquise Brown or Jerry Judy. So I, I get passing on Hall. Um, but I, I, I still think he's more likely to be like a league winner than those wide receivers. Cause we know if these, you know, talent, super talented running backs get a 70% workload, you know, th- those are the guys you kind of have to have, especially if they're going in round five. I will say too, if you only have to start two wide receivers, I think it's more attractive to take a shot on sure. that RB three there. If it's start three receivers, then yeah, it's a, it's a tough range of wide out to pass on. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. We got one more in-studio pod, Jared, because we're getting close to the season. Mike and Adam will be with us on Wednesday. And then those guys are going to be hosting another Potathon for the second week in a row uh, on Thursday night, this time focused on the FFPC Best Ball Championship. I'll be drafting a team. Are you going to be drafting a team? I am. Are we drafting against each other? I think I'm at nine. I kind of hope not. I th- actually, I think mine's at seven, but okay, I'll have to perfect. check on the time there. So yeah, I don't, I don't want to take your money, but I will. I'm willing to. I'm on a soft league. Give me a league of guys that don't know <laughs> what they're doing. That's right. That's what, that's usually what you're going to find among people paying 125 <laughs> yeah. bucks for a single draft. Right. So uh, that all starts at 7:30 p.m. Eastern uh, on Draft Sharks YouTube. So check that out. We'll also have one more refresh of the perfect draft series of articles on DraftSharks.com. So if you still have drafts upcoming, 14 team, 12 team, 10 team, we're going to be hitting. PPR again on Wednesday, non-PPR on Thursday. So check those out. One more refresh of our most popular articles of the year. Then it's on to week one. You mentioned it earlier. We're doing projections this week. Those are going to power the regular season tools. Those are going to be starting up very soon on DraftSharks.com. I'm excited. You know, I'm a little a little tired of the preseason talk. I'm ready to start, you know, getting into getting into week one and you know, reacting from there. That's when it gets fun. Right. You, we do all this to see how it goes, and we're almost to the see how it goes part. It's, it's certainly you get a little antsy at this point because you're yep. like, ah, oh, this is what I've been saying for months about what this guy is going to do. Yep. Let's see if I'm right so I can either start waving the flag or hide. <laughs> no, exactly. never, never hide. Never hide. <laughs> all right. For Jared Smoll and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaafson. Thanks so much for swimming with us. Yeah.